Yes, they do. According to the master's purpose and his holy will. No matter what you and balcony are going through, remember that God only wants a chance to you to. All right. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Sorry about that. I'm not too sure what happened there in the beginning. But anyways, um, as you all know, for those that are watching live so far and for those who will see this later, um, a young man by the name of Brian, Brian Alexander Ward has been missing since September. So, uh, of course, if you've seen any if, if you've seen him or if you know any, any kind of information regarding this young man, you can call 202-413. 4068. Also, you can contact 202-875-9523. Um, and I think the last time he was seen, it was in, uh, I believe, Northwest DC was the last time he was seen. So anybody who's watching this, anybody who will see this later, please contact either one of those numbers. It will be greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, so let's get started. Um, I'm excited to have this these these three panelists here on tonight. Um, this is a, uh, I guess it's a subject. It's a, it's a timely subject. This is something that we can go on and on about. And I felt like these three individuals would be, uh, able to ask great insight concerning this topic. And, uh, as you all know, tonight, we're going to be discussing the importance of having a good name. And, uh, I trust and believe that these three have a good name. So that's why I decided to bring these three on. So I'm excited. We're not going to belabor the time, so we're going to get right to it, and we're going to allow the panelists to introduce themselves, tell us, a, you know, a little bit about them, you know, before we get into some dialogue. So um, we're going to start with Elder Gladney. We're going to have the, the, you know, the elder start us out here. So uh, just tell us who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself, and let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. I, I thought it was going to be ladies first, but that's... Uh quite all right. <laughs> uh, Elder Bernard Gladney, uh, grace and peace to everyone. I am from uh, Flint, Michigan. Uh, I go to Bethel Apostolic Church. Uh, mm -hmm. My pastor is Suffragan Bishop uh, T.S. Wiggins. And uh, we just uh, are glad to be on uh, this broadcast on tonight. Uh, we serve in the Northern District Council of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World as the first vice chair for the uh, Northern District Council of Pentecostal Young People's Union. And uh, we just do what we can to support youth and to support ministry throughout the state of Michigan and across the United States. Amen. Amen. Uh, Minister Venus. Hello, everyone. Um, as was stated, my name is um, Minister Venus King. I'm originally from um, Chicago. Illinois, so Midwest, go ahead, Michigan. Okay. Um, I am the youth president for my church, Greater Morning Star Apostolic Ministries, where my pastor is Bishop Charles Edward Johnson. Um, he is our presiding bishop for the AFFI. Um, and I also serve as the council youth president for our District 1 um, AFFI 
um, as well. So I am happy to be here. Um, respect everyone here and can't wait to dialogue with you all. Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Minister Carla Moore. Originally, I'm from Washington, D.C. I currently reside in Salisbury, Maryland, where my leader is District Charles and District Elder Charles and Lady Barbara Shelton. I serve as the youth president at Mount Calvary Apostolic Church here in Salisbury. And I simply just like to serve again, like Minister Venus said, I'm just excited for the conversation and looking forward to hearing everyone's viewpoints. But yeah. Amen. 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 So yeah, as we stated, we want to thank you all for coming on, taking time out on your Saturday night. I know you guys can be doing anything, but let's get right to it. Um, now, let me ask you all this. I think this will be a good, some great groundwork starting out. When you are, you know, when you all hear uh, a good name or when you guys hear about reputation or what have you, what does it mean to have a good name? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about that particular question? I would say what you think of when you hear an individual's name, like do you, the, like say if I was to say one of your names, of course, I believe you all have good reputations. When your name was brought up, I know the conversation is going good with the vice versa being, a name being brought up and you're like, oh, here we go. Like, no, we got to talk about them type of thing. So I think a good name speaks to the characteristics that are surrounded with that name mm. or with the individual with that name, rather. Um, when I think about a good name, I think about someone that is uh, without approach. I think about someone that is of a high um who has a high upstanding, a good rapport, um, someone that is respectable, um, someone that is trustworthy. Um, you, yeah, when you think, just like Minister Carla stated, when you think about, you know, someone who has a good name, it's positivity, it's someone you can trust, someone that you would listen to, you know, that you would lend your ear to, um, hear what they have to say. Hmm. That's good. Glad. I, I'd agree with whether what everybody has uh, said thus far. Uh, when you think about a good name, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is no smoke, uh, you know, because where there's smoke, there's fire. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times when you think about somebody that has a good name, you don't see any smoke or you don't hear like uh, Minister Carla has said, you don't hear things or you don't think, oh, my gosh, because you've heard rumors or you know something or all those different types of things. And I think about uh, Paul the apostle, how he had smoke behind his name when he was Saul of Tarsus. But mm. then when God transformed him and removed all those things that was on his past and he became Paul and now he had a good name. I think it's in Acts the 16th chapter, they, the brethren spoke well of Paul when he had came to them, I think that Philippian church. And so when you think about a good name, a lot of times, uh, first of all, God has to make our name good because his name is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> when you think about having a good name, uh, the first thing, obviously, is, is not having any smoke behind your name is what I would say. Now, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think that's good. Everything that you all have said is has great connection. Now, and, and, you know, in today's time and in today's whole, you know, the society as a whole and even within the church. 
um, this conversation can go any kind of way. So with, with, with what all of you all have said, I want to ask this. Uh, is having a good name or reputation relevant anymore? Absolutely. Still is. It truly still is, even though you see a lot of people um, trying to veer away from it and um, and try to provide fluff. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the, you know, the little candies and throwing things out there. But what happens is when all of that is done, like um, the other said, um, once the, you know, the smoke clears, <laughs> you know, what do you have? If there's nothing, then people will find you out quickly. Mm. So I do believe that um, it is still relevant. And those that have wisdom, they draw to those who have a good name. Those that do not, they run to those that you know are giving just a show and a stage or putting on a mask and a face. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's good, that's good. Uh, and even, I was gonna say, and even to add to that point, some people that have smoke behind their name go towards people that have smoke behind their name to try to hide the smoke that's behind their name. Mm. And so when you think about it, um, right. a, lot of, a lot of times uh, you got to find, you know, that's why it's so hard to find spiritual people today. If you look at your president, President Trump, there's a lot of smoke behind his name. And that's really I, my personal opinion. That's why he lost the election, because it was just too much smoke behind his name. But at the same time, uh, you know, when when somebody is so much smoke behind your name, when it's so much that your name is uh it's been dragged through the mud and there's so much and as um the minister king said how uh when the smoke clears what's there and when the smoke clears and there's a lot of things that's sitting there uh <laughs> your name don't mean nothing at this point mm -hmm. and uh i think like you said between in the world and in the church there is a difference there because in the world uh if you got enough money you might be able to buy off and remove some of that stuff that comes when the smoke clears. But yeah. in the church, those things shouldn't be cleared unless God has cleared and approved it. Mm. Oh, that's good, that's good. Mm. Do you think, I'm sorry, and Minister Carla, I, I apologize. If You're good. <laughs> but um, what I think about that as well, um, because it has creeped into the church where, you know, things that used to be, you know, you had a standard of holiness. Um, you had um, people saw you and the way you presented yourself, the way that you worshiped and things like that, it meant something. I remember um, from where I came from, you know, our council and the worship that we would have. I mean, it would just slay us. And there are times when I'm in a service and I'm like, it's just a bunch of jumping and noise. And mm -hmm. where is God? And so, you know, thinking about that, we have accepted you know, counterfeits of the presence of God. We have accepted counterfeits of a life mm -hmm. when God is looking for the truth of a life. He sees the Bible says he sees the heart. He tries it. He knows the heart. We don't know it. But because we are being um, guided into the, uh, the coming of the Lord, the Bible said that this would this would happen, where people would call holy things unholy, and you know, right, wrong, wrong, right, and we're in that time. So, yeah. 
That's good. Go ahead, Sister Carla, just jump in on this one. No, that's good. I would say, um, just like that actually touches on what I wanted to say. I believe having a good name is always relevant. It's always important. The issue lies, though, that it's not whether or not it's relevant anymore. It's the fact that many in our generation, we don't hold it as precious. We don't hold our name as precious as it should be realizing that we're supposed to be reflecting the name of Jesus Christ because of us being Christians, us being saved. Once we say that we're saved, there are different ones who may not be in church or they may not know church, may not have a Bible and we're the only Bible they read. So they associate our name with Christ, but then some of us are out here doing anything we want and we're using the excuse, well, it don't really matter what people think because they're going to think what they want to back up what we want to do. But the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, people are going to think what they want, but when they meet you, it should be said that everything they thought before is actually wrong about you. It should be said that your name can defend yourself. But too many of us, we think that we're grown or whatever the case may be. And we want to just do us and do what we want to do and use popular secular cliches um, to justify doing things, forgetting that we're not living like the world is living. We're not trying to make a name like the world is trying to make a name for themselves. We're simply trying to carry the name of Jesus. And it just so happens that sometimes, especially in the case for those I see on here, when you're in leadership position, your name carries that weight of that ministry or the weight of whatever it is. And we don't want to think like that. We just want to do what we want to do for whatever reason. But because we're trying to mirror the world. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Sister Carly, now you, you said something that I want to ask later because um, it's, 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 I, 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 I don't want to say it's a tricky question. Mm -hmm. To a degree, it will be. So we're going to come back to something that you said. Um, and I'll remind you later as to how it connects to the question. Um, but I think gotcha. that's a question. I did want to ask. Um, statement that says perception is reality mm -hmm. are you all familiar with that mm -hmm. yeah um how would you all explain that in goods with this subject is it a true statement how does it weigh in on the person i don't necessarily feel that it is a true statement because perception is based upon the interpretation of the person that is perceiving it it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the reality of it. Um, but what can happen is what we present can alter the perception of a person. So, and, you know, there are times where that statement can reign or can be true, but in, not in all cases, because if you have someone that has had, you know, trouble in their past, they're not healed, they're not whole, they can see someone trying to give them love as an attack. They're perceiving those actions as being negative when the action is an action of love. So it's based upon the perceiver. That's what, you know, the interpretation of the perceiver as opposed to, you know, um, just taking it for face value. Yeah, I think um, that statement, I don't really like that statement. And I'll, I'll say I'll preface it with this. When you look at uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he was here in the flesh, um, many people had perceptions of him that never even had met him. And so even when I think about King Herod, he said, I heard so much about you. I couldn't wait to meet you. But his perception was that Jesus was going to come and do magic tricks for him. And that's, right. that's not what Jesus came to do. But that was what he perceived. 
and that's what he perceived as his reality and so when jesus didn't do the things that he wanted him to do he sent them back uh uh he sent them back uh to uh, uh what is his name uh pilot he sent him back to Pontius pilot because he didn't come to do what he expected him to do or what he perceived him to do and so a lot of times when you think about it naturally and even in the church today a lot of times people may hear things about you or they may have a perception about you that somebody else has created and so it's very dangerous when people make a perception about somebody uh when they had never met the person when they never had a conversation when they've never dialogued and been around that person and so uh and i find it you know it's often uh i remember years ago somebody asked me about a preacher and uh i'm not gonna say the preacher's name but somebody asked me about a, pre a preacher and asked me about my perception of them and obviously they already had a preconceived notion of what they thought about that preacher and so in order to squash that i'm like well look i don't know anything about what you're talking about but mm -hmm. i do know that he's a good preacher and i do know that god has anointed him to preach but the devil will come in and try to mimic things and speak in your mind and he, he's so crafty and so subtle uh that you'll hear things about people and you'll begin to make that truth in your mind when it's actually not really the true perception you create a perception when that's not even the true reality so that's why i really don't like that statement and i'm glad you brought that up sister nina because i really despise that i mean in my in my <laughs> in my natural uh job i work for uh uh sodexo magic which is a joint venture between magic johnson enterprises and sodexo and i've had several people on my job where they perceive one thing because uh, my mentors, they don't like my mentors and they know that I'm close to my mentors. So they'll perceive that I'm that way. And then when they actually get to know me, then they're like, oh, yeah, he's nothing like that. But the perceptions already got around corporate America that Bernard is this way and Bernard is this way and he'll do this and he's going to say this when it's not even close to the truth. Mm. Mm. That's, right. oh, that's heavy. That's heavy. Go ahead. Oh. <clears throat> that, that just triggered a whole new thought but um just to touch on the fact that you really don't know everyone sometimes you only as elder said sometimes your perception only goes as far as a rumor would allow you to take it and half of the time the rumor isn't even true and my problem with the statement is that statement is too abstract to be used in the church because both perception and reality changes we have this we have this concept or this mindset that reality is what it will always be, but because perception cannot always be the same thing, your reality cannot always be the same thing either. That's like me saying that, like, like I've had certain cases where I'll hear something about someone and I'm like, well, I guess they maybe they are like this if so many people are saying they're like this, but once I actually interact with the person or myself as the example that you just gave i find on every whatever i don't know what everybody else was saying maybe it's something maybe they just have something that they need to work out but it's not always the case so like your perception you can't base reality on your the real reality of something on your perception because your perception is it's it's self-determined yes yeah, subjective it's almost like you're given a personal interpretation of someone else's life that they are living and not our, we ourselves most of the time it's negative. Mm. It's never. So my thing is, if you're going to perceive something, perceive something positive first. Mm. You know, I'd rather be like, surprise me. You know what I mean? I have that, you know, <laughs> a lot of times, like even amongst friends. And I'm sitting here like, 
um, I don't know that person, so I'm not going to. Now you need to go pray. You need to ask God what's in your heart that's helping you. And there have been times, friends on the phone, I'm like, okay, so let's get down. Let's pray because whatever this is, it is not of the Lord. The Bible says that we're supposed to have discernment, not per not perceiving something that somebody else told me. That is foolishness. So no, I'm not taking someone's foolish views of someone else and then look at the character of a person. Look mm -hmm. at intent of it. What is your intent? Why are you telling me this? Why are you coming to me? What's the point? I'm going to make it hard for you to come to me, to want to come to me about someone in a negative way. It's mm -hmm. not going to happen. I rather get an opportunity to meet this individual. For one, we are all sinners. We mm -hmm. have been saved by the grace of God and we are not perfect. We fall. We have faults. There are times where you can base a perception on a person when they were weak and then they are overcome. They have been, they overcome and then you're still holding on to the weak part and they've already been delivered. What do you say? You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like, before you do that, even, you know, as you know, someone they're constantly growing. So I can't hold them to the memories of the past. I have to give them an opportunity for what they're doing in the future. I remember, and I'm, Again, I apologize because you know this is good. Okay, <laughs> I remember my both my parents, both of my parents abandoned me at the age of eight and left me with my little sister to raise her. She was five, I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And from that time up until like um, maybe 15 or 16 years old, like I didn't have cons a consistent like parental supervision or guidance. And you know, I thank the Lord. I ended up getting saved at about 15 years, a day before my 15th birthday. The Lord took me through the process of healing. My dad lived like three or four blocks down the street from me and took 10 years for him to come visit me. Wow. And I didn't need anything. So I get an opportunity, talk to my mother, talk to my father. They're apologizing. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't hold you to the past anymore. It's done. What are you going to do now? Like, that's what it's about. It's what the person is doing now. We mm. cannot hold them based upon, because even the perception of that person is past. It's a past thing. Unless the Lord reveal and show you, unless that person proves that character, you can't hold them to someone else's perception. You can't do that. That's not the wisdom of God. Mm. And that's not the love of God. We have to give people a chance. That's good. That's good. Anybody else want to chime in before? Uh, go ahead, Sister Yes, Go ahead. Go ahead. So, like, just to piggy on that, um, the issue is sometimes when you're bringing this negative um, this negative report about a person, the fact that it matter, it's not that their character are bad or that their name is bad. Rather, like you're struggling with your own name or you're struggling with your own character or whatever, whatever went wrong between you and the individual because they wouldn't compromise on their character. Now you're now you're acting like um, Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Well, I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to make it seem as if A, B and C happened because now my pride is hurt. So sometimes it's just the fact that people are out here trying to destroy characters because of their own insecurity and now we're just spewing all this negativity all over the church and now I'm trying to mess up everybody's name. But again, your name, oh, I guess that's probably your name will like it will speak for you if you come if when when the time comes for you to be proven on that, just prove that that's not who you are. But yeah. 
Man, that's good. That's good. Now, before I go to the next question um, <clears throat> and talking point, I wanted to ask now, is there ever a time now? This is just me throwing it out there. So is there ever a time where something is said or something is presented to you or possibly um, sort of just, uh, I guess, floating in the air, for lack of a better expression, concerning an individual or group of people? Is there ever a time to consider that? And um, I don't want to say investigate, but to sort of watch and sort of watch for certain things if you continue to hear the same thing about an individual, or do we still give them the space and time to prove that out to be the case? I think it depends on what that connection is to you. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in a position of leadership and you hear a rumor or you hear something about certain people, um, it's it's your responsibility to investigate it. But if it really has nothing to do with you, um, I think the best thing for you to do is to stop it right at, at its tracks and ask. I mean, the question I always ask is, well, were you there? Do you know if that's really true? Were you actually there when it actually happened? Because if you're just saying what somebody else said, that somebody else said, that somebody else said, then you know that you're you're spreading rumors or you're spreading gossip or you're being a busybody in other men's matters. And that's when you have to, you know, stop the mouth of the gainsayers and <laughs> put them back in their place and help them to become spiritual. He who is spiritual, uh, you know, uh, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And sometimes your brothers will come to you, your sisters will come to you, and they may be in a weak state where they want to talk about somebody because they have, like uh, Minister Carla said, they have to deal with their own issues. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's where you have to come in and help your friends and be spiritual in the matter so that they can uh, get themselves back on course. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it is important? The Bible says, try the spirit by the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, it is important to be prayerful. And you are here um, from a leadership standpoint, I completely agree. I also agree that, you know, if something is coming your way that you're hearing, um, it is a good um, rule of thumb to talk to and the individual directly in state, you know, been hearing some things. I just want, you know, to see how things are going. You know, um, I don't know whether it's true or not because I wouldn't want things to be going around about me and I'm not aware of it or I don't know what's going on. I would like to know, um, you know, for someone to bring it to me so that I am aware. Now, if it's something that's true, then, you know, the Bible says, you know, that we are supposed to be helpers in that, you know, whether it's connected directly to me or not. I think as the body of Christ, you know, in love, we go and help the individual out. So that's my standpoint on that. For me, I would say, of course, as everything that's been said, as far as leadership um, and making certain decisions on who you're going to evolve in certain things, you definitely want to check and make sure they, they, they are in a place where they can be involved because you never want to hinder the spirit because you're not, you yourself aren't being mindful of what you are allowing to be present. Um, for me, actually certain things like recently just seem like someone always has something to say about whatever the case may be. And I'm quick to say, well, I'm going to keep my mouth off of that. 
I don't know. I haven't heard. I haven't talked to the person myself. They haven't said this to me, especially if it's somebody I know and the person feels like they could come to me because I know the person or something like that. I'm going to keep my mouth off of it. And not only am I going to keep my mouth off of it, but I'm going to ask you yourself, well, before you came to me with this issue that you're complaining about, that really has nothing to do about anything to do with you or really all about them. Did you talk to them yourself first before you started spreading this rumor? And my thing is like, why are we so quick to spread a rumor? But yet we, we're not quick to go in intercession, intercessory prayer for an individual and cover a person. Because maybe if they are struggling, it's not helping that you're like, yo, did you hear so-and-so with this and so-and-so with that? The proper response to that is, as Minister Venus said, to check up on the person and pray for the person and intercede for the person. But again, you know, this generation that we live in. Don't need prayer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Okay, that's good. So, so in light of us talking about uh, rumors and gossip of that sort, I wanted to ask, um, why do you all think it's so easy for people to believe a rumor rather than uh, seek out the truth? And also, do you think people even really care for the truth when they do hear something juicy, you know, going around? The flesh. That's what happens. You know what I mean? The flesh desires the things that are against God. The Bible says that the flesh is enmity against God. So if it's something that's going to entice, your flesh is, is your enemy. It's going to entice. It's going to desire. It's going to want the things that it should not. It should not want. So, yeah, if someone is, you know, they have a bit of juicy gossip, it's like, a, oh, I need to hear it. I need to, you know, it's my desire, you know, to hear it because we're still dealing with the flesh. We still live, you know, um, in this flesh and it is a complete mess. So it's going to desire those things. And when it happens, that's our responsibility to crucify it, to mortify the deeds of the flesh and to put it under, you know, our feet so that like Minister Carla, you know, had spoken, you know, intercede, pray, because does the flesh want to pray? No. Does it want to fast? No. Does it want to get to the bottom? No. We have a whole book, Proverbs, talks about these things. Nobody, they want to do the thing that seems the easiest. It's harder to seek out the truth. It's harder to approach a person not knowing what, you know, what's going to happen. You know, it's harder to shine light on a thing as opposed to keeping it covered in the dark. So, you know, that's what the flesh does. It desires it. It's our sinful nature. The enemy whispers. The enemy is, I'm telling you, tag teaming. They both tag teaming when it comes to, you know, things like that to tear us down and to cause discord among the brethren so that we can be separate and not stronger in Christ. And just to add on to that, I would say also sometimes like when you don't want to face what's wrong with you or which, where you need to come up, hearing something about something else and spreading something about something else it 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 in our minds make whatever your sin or whatever your issue is smaller but the fact of the matter is you're just projecting your own problems on somebody else's issue mm. that's good talk to us elder gladden people have turned away from the truth so when you say somebody people are not truth seekers today and that's, uh, you know, people's ears have been turned away. I think it says in Timothy about their ears being turned away from the truth and being turned unto fables. 
Wow. And so that's, that's what people desire. That's And that goes back to what Minister King was saying about the flesh. The flesh is desiring to hear fables and to hear rumors and to hear gossip and things that uh, will tear down the outer man. But when can we get back to prayer and intercession and faith towards God to those things that build up the spiritual man? And uh, a lot of things, uh, as, as it's already been stated, it's a lot of flesh in the church. It's a lot of uh, carnality. It's a lot of um, uh, trying to bring the world into uh, the things that are got. God, God already has his program. He doesn't mm-hmm. need any help or any assistance from us trying to bring something out of the world. He created He created the earth. He knows what's going on. He don't need us to assist. All he needs us to do is do what is outlined in the scripture. And so uh, the answer really to the question that people just don't want to desire the truth. They'd rather hear those lies, those fables, those things that get people riled up so that they can, uh, as we we stated even before, to to cover things that, that, that are wrong with us. If we focus more on uh, shining the light of heaven on our own soul and looking mm-hmm. in the mirror and examining ourselves whether we be of the faith, we'd have less time to spread rumors or even to listen to rumors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, there's an elder, um, one of my mentors, he stated, you have six months to get right and six months to stay right. Mm-hmm. That's the focus. If you focus on what you need to do, because we are all jacked up. I mean, we can speak in tongues and, you know, and all of that and seek the Lord, but we still have things in us that we're constantly, you know, having to keep under subjection. We're constantly having to fight. And when you see, you know, um, some, and it's a distraction too, like even with the enemy, the enemy presents distractions. If I'm so caught up and I'm spending hours gossiping and talking about people, I can't do the purpose and the will of God for my life. I can't, I'm not on assignment. So then the enemy has won for that particular time frame. He has already won. So it's our responsibility to know. It's like, look, I don't have time for this. How can I say anything about anybody when I need to focus on me? That's what it's about. It's about us getting ourselves together and getting ourselves right for the coming of Christ. Nobody wants to hear about the coming of Christ. They hear, oh, you know, the, it's so much going on the pandemic. The world is in disarray. Duh. It's supposed to be. This is not my home. I am not trying to make myself comfortable here. It's like an eagle with a nest and the babies are in it. What is it doing? It takes out the comfortable fluff and starts to put the little sticks in there so that the babies won't get comfortable and they'll start to fly. I'm trying to fly. I'm not trying to stay here. Yes, I will pray for this world. I will do what God has called me to do, but I am not going to get comfortable, you know, and settled in this place. And it's like the the focus and the views that we're that we have is distracting us from what we're supposed to be doing. And that's getting ready to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So. And then if I'm my bad, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you good, you good. No, go, go ahead. And just to piggyback off of both of those thoughts, um, we've made room to allow these distractions. We've made room for this self-righteousness that would have us look at others before we look at ourselves because the Bible would say that love covers, but yet no one wants to cover because all these things we're doing and all this trying to be like the world and look like them, the the reality is the love of many has waxed cold. They're Come still on. in the church. They're still in the position. They're still in a suit tie 
skirt, knee length, whatever the case may be, but the love as many love of many has waxed cold. So now so many of us are incapable of covering each other simply because we're not even capable of loving each other the way God told us to love each other. Come on. Oh, High five. <laughs> Say that. That'll make me have some church in this place. <laughs> That's good. I think she's hot from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I wanted to ask. That's great. That's great. Uh, I wanted to ask this. So, um, why do you all think, or why is it so easy for those who have gifts and talents and those with a quote unquote special anointing? Why is it so easy to look past? certain things that may bring about a bad name for them, but it never gets uh, addressed or corrected or, you know, seems to get sort of put on the back burner and they still get celebrated and so forth and so on. Why do you all think that is a, uh, a thing that is so prevalent today? Because we don't want to interrupt our program. Mm. Because if we have to, if we have to sit sister so-and-so down, uh-huh. she can't sing that song to tear the church down. Or to have us, and I remember this. I remember the Lord showing me. I was at a place, I'm not going to say where it was. I was at a church um, and worship was going forward. And I, the Lord had led me to get on my knees to pray. And I was praying and he told me to get up and look around. And so I got up and I looked around and I mean, I saw people crying. I saw people on the floor. I just, you know, I it, the look of it, what I saw was worship. And the Lord said, I don't receive any of it. None. I don't want it. I want repentance. I want a clean heart. I want a changed life. I don't want a show. I don't want, you know, um, a pretender. And so when I saw that, I, I got on my knees and began to repent for all of the people that were there. Like, Lord, help us to see because we're so caught up. Like I said, that's fluffy stuff. You don't go to heaven because you sing well. You don't go to heaven because you can preach people down because they're so emotional and that's what they're used to doing. You know, you don't go to heaven because of that. It is your life. Your life preaches. Your life makes a difference. Your life changes. And if we can't get our lives where it needs to be, we will literally sit in church, shouting, speaking in tongues and go straight to hell. And I remember even um, Sister Collar um, at, at your church um, when I was there to preach and I was given a testimony. I had a friend of mine, respectful, I mean, casting demons, all of that. And the gist of it was this. She was in a situation where she had hatred in her heart and the Lord, with all her casting and speaking in tongues and preaching, the Lord told her, I was going to take you and you were going to hell. And the saints would have said it was a home going. It was this, it was that, but your life. I see your heart. I judge your heart. So when it comes to things like that, I'm passionate about this because I I hate it when I see it. I'm like, look, none of us, we don't need to pretend. I need the altar just like everybody else. I cling to the altar because I know that I'm in this flesh. So when I see that, I see people doing it and seeing you know, at times leadership, you know, not really saying anything. I go into prayer. I'm like, Lord, you're above all. Lord, you know what to do. I don't know what the situation of this individual is. I'm asking you not to destroy them, but I'm asking you to restore, you know, so that they can walk in that ministry and they can, you know, walk worthy of the vocation by which they were called. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> that was good. I wanted to say sometimes we, again, like we treat church as it's a, as if it's a production and not a moment with God. We treat church mm-hmm. as if it's a show to get, especially with us going live. We want, we don't want to have a dry service. We don't want to get on there and it's like everybody off key, the snare not tune, the the whatever is wonky sounding. We don't want any of that. So you want to put forth a spirit of excellency. And yes, that is that that's Bible. You want to put forth your best. But sometimes we we think that just because God showed up or just because there's emotion or just because A, B, and C happened that God approves. But I'm reminded of Saul that Saul lost God's approval in the second year of him reigning as the second or third year of him reigning as a king, yet he reigned for about 40. And sometimes we think, oh, well, there was a praise break. God must have been, must have been pleased. Oh, there was A, B, and C. God must have been pleased. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, God allowed, God will, God will not quench a gift. He won't, he won't cause uh, the individual to hold back from what it is that he has given them, but at the same, on the same hand, it's like he expects them to live a certain way. But mm-hmm. when you look at it as if, oh well, if they sung that song and sung someone in tears, or if they played until they the whole church danced, or the whole church was slain, they laid hands on so and so, and the person is slain. Now we're covering them up with covers or whatever the case may be. Now we think that God approves, but the fact of the matter is, that's not the end of the uh, uh, a praise break is not the goal of a service. That's it. Right. Right. High time is not the goal of the service. The goal of the service is for the edification of those of us that are saved and then for the saving of those of us that aren't saved. But we 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 seem to, you know, we don't we don't we don't we don't remember, we seem to have forgotten some of us what it is, why we come to church, why we come together, why we fellowship, and we're looking for the praise break and we let that determine, oh, we had our time. We let that determine, oh, this, that, and the third and then again, we make the mistake of saying, well, God used them in this and in, in such and such a way that he must be pleased with them. But I'm reminded, reminded just to be transparent, I remember times where God, I was like, of course, I'm a poet. So there's been times where I've gone to recite and I'm just tore up. I'm just like, man, I feel like I should take myself off the program for whatever reason or the other. And I'll go and I'll do, I'll go and I'll recite the poem and someone else will be blessed. But the whole entire time I'm reciting the poem, I don't feel nothing. I just memorize my own lyrics because I wrote them. So just because something happens doesn't mean God is pleased. And we ourselves know when God is not pleased with us, whether we want to pretend that we don't or not. We know when God is disappointed and when we have not met God's expectation. And sometimes we hide under or hide behind our gifts because we're anointed. But I feel like there's a two-way street to um, answer your question. We ourselves have to take responsibility, and then those who ask of us have to be led of the Spirit and ask of us. May I say one thing? I'm sorry, Elder Gladney. I apologize. I want to say one thing. High five to you. I wish I had a high five on it. But what I thought about when you mentioned Saul, Saul went and he tried to chase David into the city of the prophets. Mm-hmm. And he got into the city. It was filled with the spirit of God. He had mm-hmm. to carry him out. But when he got out, he was still the same Saul. Mm-hmm. A dead tree can blow in the wind just like a living tree can. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's in the it's the same status or it's in the same state. Another thing is when a person is singing, you can sing and be a vessel, but the individual that's receiving, you have nothing to do with that. Nothing. 
It's what God is doing with that individual. Just like when a person received the Holy Ghost, you lay hands. That ain't because of your hand. It's because of the connection between that soul and the Lord. You're just a conduit. You are, look at the false prophet that came to tell the man of God, um, God told him to not to go through this city. The false prophet lied and said to stay. And then God used false prophet to prophesy to the prophet to tell him he was gonna die. Mm. He was still a false prophet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, mean? I think we take these gifts and we validate you know, our stance with God because God allows others to be blessed. But if he can use a donkey, did that donkey go to heaven? I mean, come on, did the donkey have a, get a church and become a pastor because he was the first donkey to prop, you know, to talk? No, come on. Like, let's, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, like, we need to put things into perspective. The Bible says, like, whatever we render, he is, it's his altar. So, Lord, when I give whatever I give to you, you have to give the approval. It doesn't matter what people say and what they do. And if I'm singing and I know I'm not right. It's my responsibility to handle that. It's okay. my responsibility to either go to leadership or pray and ask the Lord, what should I do? Should I step back to get myself right and then come back? What do you want me to do? This is this is how it's supposed to be, being led of the spirit. But we're so, it's almost like the church is a corporation. It's a business. This mm. is how it works. This is our program. We need to raise money. And uh, hey, we do need to raise money because we can't be in the dark. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, it, those things, we, you know, we have to put them in perspective, but we focus so much on it that it takes away where we are in God and our service to the Lord. And if y'all want to cut me, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're fine. It's you're good. Fine. No, you're perfect. Don't me. <laughs> a, a, a few points uh, to, to both of the points. Uh, speaking of the false prophet, a broken clock is right twice a day. That's and so, right. um, you know, the false prophet can say something good, um, but uh, he's always going to be a false prophet, neither, nevertheless. Uh, the gifts of God are, you know, they come, but they're without repentance. So there's many people that have gifts and they're using gifts. Some of them are using them in the church. Uh-huh. Some of them are using them not in the church, but God is still anointed them to do what it is that they're doing is is whether they're going to use those gifts for the glory of God. And I think, um, and Sister King kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about the old days. Um, we've forgotten what churches on, on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is for the sinner. It's it's not for the saint. We're supposed to come to worship God, to uh, bring in the glory of God. So that the presence of God is there so that anybody that is a sinner can feel that presence and come to repentance. Uh-huh. That's the purpose of Sunday morning in the first place. The most important, as Bishop Paddock used to say, the most important service for the saint is Bible study. Uh-huh. But for That's some right. reason, right. we don't see many saints at Bible study or trying to get to Bible study. Yeah. And so we, we have to remember what the purpose of Sunday morning, uh, your Tuesday Bible class, your Thursday Bible class, whatever time you have your Bible class. We have to saints have to remember what it is where we're supposed to be to build up uh, instead of looking for the shout and the dance and the and the clapping the hand. I mean, all that stuff is good in its proper place. And right. I, I I love a good shout. I can't dance, but I love a good shout. I love to clap and all and the music and everything else. But at the same time, we have to remember 
our place in the church once god has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light he didn't save us to just come to church and clap our hands he he saved us so that we can be a light to other people and so we have to remember our place in the church and to go back to the question about people using gifts um the scripture says the love of money i'm gonna take a different perspective mm. the love of money is the root of all evil mm. and so when you see in a lot of churches a lot of people are are moving on gifts because that's what's generating that money as sister king was talking about i mean the, the money is important uh but it shouldn't be so much more important than the presence of god because god wants to test our faith because he'll supply all our need according to his riches and glory and so sometimes it's a test and uh, a lot of times leadership or whoever is in place will try to push it to where we're trying to draw the money out when god already got somebody writing a check getting ready to send it but instead <laughs> of passing that test we decide we want to push push the service or try to push it to where you want to uh have a, a long uh money call is what i like to call it rather than having a true altar call you have a 30 second altar call and you have a 30 minute money call and so uh i remember i was talking to a, a pastor and he talked about um an old bishop um that um he ended up starting uh, his own reformation and one of the things that um had bothered him was because they didn't um what well, as he said they didn't deal with sin in the church or deal with sin in the organization and so a lot of times you hear about things and that goes back to the conversation we were having about hearing about things and actually dealing with the situation some things god asks you to deal with uh and obviously you know bishops deal with what's happening on the bishop board uh if, if i'm an elder i'm not dealing with a bishop that's not my place but that's right. if, if if i'm an elder and it's another elder then i may have some space to deal with it as as you know as appropriate in leadership but i believe that um a lot of times people are acting uh uh based off of it going back to flesh and going back to that love of the money they're allowing people to operate because it's going to draw in those dollars not only to pay for keep the lights on but to keep their own lights on at their own house praise mm -hmm. the lord but that's another subject for another time <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good um it Thanks, Molly had a question, right? Yeah, definitely just want to say you all are talking wonderful. You're inspiring our hearers. They want to, it seems like they want to jump on and be a part of this conversation <laughs> as well. So just want you to know you guys have been a blessing so far. Also from Elder Jacory P. Creighton, he poses a question saying, beyond the personal struggle, is there a collective struggle? And how do we overcome the spirit of this age in light to this subject? Let me know if you need me to say it again. Um, I believe, I believe that it is. I believe that there is a collective struggle mm. uh, in the church. I've seen it. I've seen it um, when um, I've gone to services and different, you know, groups have different, you know, things. As a church, yes, because we're dealing with the, this Laodicean age. We're dealing with an age that wants to be lukewarm. You know what I mean? That, you know, okay, if I can still speak in tongues and worship, but I can still do what I want to do, as long as I can straddle that fence, I'm pretty good with, you know, with it. We have that. Um, we're in that age now. And then overcoming this, this 
um, I, I believe the new age, the Bible says that we are to stick to the foundational things. It didn't change. Holiness is still right. Mm. Even though sometimes we want to, okay, well, let's, you know, take an intellectual look at holiness and break it down. Look, okay. I learned holiness. Yes, I was in church, Sunday school, um, a Bible class. But you know what I learned? Holiness on my knees. Mm. After I had, you know, would be in Bible class. After there were times I would sit in Bible class and had no clue. I'm writing notes. I'm trying. I'm really trying because I wasn't raised in church. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to write a heart in the corner because I have no idea. What's going on? I'm going to put these scriptures down. And what I did want to know, I wanted to know the scriptures. And I used to cry. Like, it was that bad. Well, you know what I did? I got on my knees. Hmm. It didn't happen the first night. It didn't happen the second, third. But I kept going. And then I would take my notes. I would take them home. I would read them. Well, there came a time and I didn't even realize that the Lord was even speaking to me. You know, because I'm new, you know, newly saved. But I'm sitting on the porch and the Lord tells me, go upstairs and pray. And I go upstairs and I pray, you know, I get down and I'm about to do my routine prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because that's, you know, that's how you, you learn how to pray, the way you tears. It was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm about to go to sleep and the Lord says no. And I heard him audibly for the first time and it scared the living daylights out of me. Mm. And the Lord began to meet me in my prayer and began to open up his word and speak to me. And so that whole, and I'm not saying that this will happen or not, or uh, this or that, but eight hours, eight hours later, um, I had to pray and ask the Lord, like, Lord, I need to go to sleep. That's what I said. Cause I kept, I was speaking in tongues. I got up, I began to read and the Lord opened up his word like a gift to me. And I broke down and cried. So I'm saying all of that to say this, that is going to be the basics. We have to go back to that relationship with God where we spent time in prayer, not prayer, you know, as I'm going to work. But no, where's your sacrificial time? And God will tell you the time that you are to get up to pray. He will wake you up during that time. And it's usually between three and five in the morning that the Lord will wake you up to pray. Getting to the point where when I'm praying, I'm not just speaking words, but I'm communicating with God. I'm not just, you know, praising, but I'm listening to what God is saying. I am building a relationship with him compared with his word. And he will show you and he will give you understanding. That's the Bible of his word. And the more that I do this, the more I put on Christ, the more the world has to come off of me. The more I put on, the more desire I have for him, the more I hunger for him, the more that I see. And I'm telling you, it wasn't always, you know, I thank the Lord, the Lord for the word and for leadership. But there were times where it was the Lord saying no. It was the Lord saying yes. It was the Lord. And then my pastor would come and confirm it through Bible classes and things like that, where the relationship and that's what kept me. That's what sustained me. That's what gave me a desire and made it be where I didn't care what people thought. You call me old school all day. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to get back to where we need to be and not just, oh, I prayed already. No, 
It's beauty in prayer when you get into the presence of God and he begins to minister to you and you begin to minister to him. You come out like a different person. I'm asking God for assignments. I'm praying for stuff I didn't even think. I'm calling names out. I don't even know. I learned how to intercede this way. So I'm saying, you know, all of that passionately, whomever is listening, it is not a joke. Get on your knees. He will meet you and blow your very mind to the point where you don't even want to watch TV. You just want to be in the presence of God. Mm. Like that's the type of God we serve. This is a good thing. Like being saved is beautiful. It's not dark. It's not burdensome. It is a privilege and to have the Holy Ghost. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, that's what you need. You need the baptism in Jesus name. You need your sins removed. You need repentance. And that is turning away from your sins and turning towards God. And you need that Holy Ghost. And it's not a believe in my heart, Holy Ghost. It is an evidence that must be, um, that must happen. You must speak in tongues a language that you were not taught or told to repeat. That's what the Holy Ghost does and it will keep you and it will lead you and guide you. So that's my encouragement <laughs> to question. I apologize. I keep apologizing. I'm a little, you know, a little bit. So hey, good, good to you. It's going to come out. So I was going to say when it's in you, you got to let it out. Oh, Jesus. To, I think to answer the question, um, the scripture says, yea, all of them that live godly shall suffer persecution, but evil seducers, um, evil men and seducers rather, uh, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And this is the age of deception. Um, people talk about persecution. Persecution happened in the early church uh, when they were hung upside down on crosses, boiled in hot oil uh, and all those types of things that we read in Justin's uh, Book of Martyrs. Uh, but today, we're being martyred by false doctrine. And uh, you see more and more today. If you turn on any Christian television, you're not going to find an apostolic message. That's and that's right. just flat out truth. Uh, I remember when I, 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 I and Sister King was talking good because I remember when the Lord um, uh, filled me with the Holy Ghost again. And uh, I moved out of my parents' house for the first time and I didn't have a TV. And I had no problem with not having a TV because the Lord oh. was dealing with me. And uh, it, it was like it didn't even happen that I didn't have a TV because I was in that prayer room and I was in that prayer closet. I was by myself. The Lord, the Lord wouldn't even let me make friends. Praise the Lord, because he wanted me to he wanted me to know who my best friend was. And that was him. And so uh, even when I think back to those times, God will show you when you turn on that TV, you can't find an apostolic message. And I got cable. I think for the first time I married uh, my wife. And I had to get cable. I, I, I hadn't had cable for five years. Mind you. I moved out of my parents' house. I got a TV after like eight or 10 months and didn't have cable for five years till I got married. And I turned on the Word Network and, and I saw a preacher on there and he had apostolic in the name of the church. I said, oh, here we go. We finally got somebody. And this man was teaching that it was two gods. And I, I don't even want to get it. But he was teaching the Father and the Son. And I said, Lord, have mercy. They, we can't get an apostolic message on television. And that's that's just speaking to the spirit of today. So as, as the question, I think the question was saying about this day, we're, we are in a Laodicean church age where uh, we're saved as individuals. We won't be saved collectively as a church, but there's a collective problem in the church that has crept in, which is sin. 
and it, it's all over. You don't know who who's in what. And uh, I think Minister King mentioned before that we're we're all sinners. Uh, at uh, we were all we were all sinners, but mm. God comes to save us. And yeah. as long as we have the mind to be saved, God will save us continually each and every day. Because when you got the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't be sinning. Uh, right. I, I, saw, I saw a post the other day talking about in 2021, the saints not going to cuss. Uh, <laughs> as far as I know, saints don't saints don't cuss. Now, I know right. my, pastor, my pastor teach on it. He'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, saints cuss. And I'm like, no, no, our saints don't cuss <laughs> because saints should be cussing. Saints That's should right. be drinking. Saints should be in a place where you're in humility all the time. And I know people say, you know, well, that's, you know, they try to argue when people are trying to argue the scripture, they're trying to justify their sins. And that's that's that's, right. that's the flat out truth. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have time for foolishness. I'm sorry. I have to be saved. And so I, I, I can't waste my time trying to argue with you because you want to smoke a joint or you want right. to uh, because you say it's good for your cataracts or your, your medicinal. I, I don't have time for that because whatever happened to faith, because God from all Ooh, manner of diseases. And Man. so, you know, there are things, you know, and, and I understand, you know, psychology, I don't want to get into all of that, but we have to remember that God is a healer. He will, I, I remember uh, maybe like a year ago, my wife had um, scoliosis. They diagnosed her with scoliosis and we didn't know how, how, you know, how we we're going to deal with it. And we went to church. I said, let's, let's go to church. We drove an hour. We went to a, um, a night service and the preacher prayed with her. He didn't pray for her. He prayed with her. And as we pr prayed and interceded, God removed the scoliosis. It's been two years since my wife was diagnosed with that. And the scoliosis is gone because God will remove those type of things. We don't, we don't, we, we, we operate in a different level and dimension. So um, mm -hmm. the more we, we look to God, and the more, <laughs> the more we look to God, <laughs> that's my man George. George, right there. <laughs> the more we look to God and have faith in God and faith towards God, and that goes back to those principles that uh, uh, minister was talking about: uh, uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, meaning water baptism and spirit baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are foundational truths. That we must hold on to, and uh, I don't know if y'all can see it, but I got my bedrock sweatshirt on, uh, and bedrock, you know, that's that's a flint thing. But bedrock, if you look at the definition of bedrock, it's solid rock that's underneath. It's a foundational rock, and so that's why I like to wear this sweatshirt because I'm standing on the rock, which is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's right. what we have to remember and remind ourselves each and every day that I can't save somebody else, but I can be saved by my Lord and I can be a witness to them, whether it's through my life or through the Lord speaking through me to save somebody else. Because the scripture says he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. And there's many that don't have an ear to hear. First, you got to have an ear to hear. And then when you have an ear to hear, then you have to act on it. That's why it says, uh, I think it's in the book of James about being hearers and doers of the word. It's, it's good to be to hear the word and God give you an ear to hear, but then you got to act upon it. And that's where faith comes in. I believe I would say that 
um the attack is first and foremost it's it's collective because the fact of the, the the enemy isn't picking and choosing which saint he wants to destroy he wants to destroy everybody we just see that certain saints are a little bit stronger than other ones a certain state saints are standing a little bit um more than other ones so i would say the the attack is first and foremost collective it just that because we're different people, we, we like different things are going to trip us up. We like different things, whatever the case may be. So first and foremost, the attack is collective, but it's everyone personally, certain things are just not going to get me. Certain things aren't going to distract me. Certain things aren't going to get me to waver or whatever the fact may be, while it may be able to hinder or to stop or to defeat someone else. So again, the attack is first and foremost collective. It just, it doesn't look the same for everyone, but my point earlier I was making is this is why we need to have to all walk in the spirit of, and you don't have to be labeled an intercessor or say, Oh God has called you to be this. We're all called to pray for each other. That's right. We're all called to cover each other. But when there is no covering, when there is that love waxing coal, you see all these other different things creeping in and becoming to basically almost become victorious over the church. But yet we're the church that shall never be defeated. But yeah. Now, that's good. That's good. I think you guys have said quite a bit on tonight. Um, so I'm going to ask about three more questions and I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, I did want to say, as Sister Nina stated earlier, this has been fruitful. Um, yeah, it's nothing else to say. You guys are really bringing the heat tonight. So we're really enjoying it now. Um, like I said, these last three questions are going to be pretty quick. Um, I did want to ask this one because I think this is very an important one, especially when it comes to reputation and uh making sure that we're sort of, you know, making sure that we're not bringing any shame to the church or to any of the people that we are associated with. Um, I wanted to ask, concerning social media, why do you all think it's so easy to ruin your reputation on social media? Why is that easy? Especially saints, especially saints, and of course young people, but saints in general, well, I'm sure you all see a lot on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, whatever, whatever you see, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, chime into that. Uh, why is it so easy to just ruin your reputation on social media? And what is it about social media that's so attractive that people want to even be reckless the way that they are nowadays? Because I think social media uh, causes us one of the ways it can be used in a positive way but one of the negative ways is that it causes us to have a sense of pride about ourselves or self um focusing on ourselves selfishness where it is you know i can share what i'm wearing i can share who i'm talking to i can put my you know, because I'm going to get an amen somewhere. I'm going to get some type of support or whatever. So it, you have so many people's attention to see what you want them to see about you, to, pre to present whatever you want to present on there. And I think that gets to our heads. I was talking to a friend of mine because at one point I got off Facebook um, and I had a, a, a Facebook page for my family, um, but and some of my friends, but I wouldn't get on it because every time I would look at it, it made me cry. Like 
it would make me cry because I would see things and then I would have to go pray. So I was like, you know, Lord, um, I'm going to go ahead and get up off this because I don't want to see the things that I'm seeing and, and look at somebody in a way that I shouldn't look at them. Um, I think it's enticing because that's, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, putting yourself, you know, there so people can see you, people can focus on you, people can like you, you can, you know, it's about, you know, even status, like how many friends do you have? Even though you don't know these people, I mean, you people in China, you ain't never met, but you friends with them, you know what I mean? It's like all of these things I'm trying to get, build this rapport, I'm trying to build myself up. I want people to see, you know, and I can put whatever and I can block you if I don't like you and I can do it's, you know, you have control over the environment, more control over it. And so when it comes to, you know, the saints, look, come on, the enemy, he wants to distract us. He wants, you know, to make our names bad. And if we're weak enough, which in many times we are, if we're weak enough, we become subject to the trap of the enemy. It is a trap and we have to be mindful of it. Now, again, I'm not, you know, it's not even social media. It's what happens when you put social media in the hands of the wrong person. Because you can put a gun in the hands of somebody. One person will shoot. The other one won't. You know what I mean? So it just, you know, it depends. But um, I just think that it opens a platform for us to be free to say what we want, how we want, and, you know, do whatever we want without the feeling of, you know, guilt, you can block people. So if you don't want your pastor to see it, <laughs> you can block your pastor, you know, or whatever, or your youth leader, you know, or whatever the case is, you have so much control over what people can see and cannot see. So it gives you a liberty to be whoever you want to be. And, you know, what happens is, unfortunately, the worst of us comes out in those things. And, you know, and it destroys our name. It truly does because in church, you know, it's almost like the nightlife. In church, I see you, boy, you speak in three different tongues. I'm still trying to catch up on, on how many, you know, which are you speaking Mandarin today? You know what I mean? But then when you you go out and you get on that Facebook, it's that nightlife. You know, I'm seeing things, the actions and behaviors, people listening to stuff and you start to see and it's like, okay, so who am I talking to? Who are you? I mean, which person am I am I am I dealing with? So yeah, I probably didn't answer that question. I'm just putting things out there, but you know, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Sister Carla. Um, I would say to answer the first part of the question, I don't think we realize the exposure that social media um gives us, especially with them all being connected. Um there's a sh the the sh a share button can do more damage than good because okay yeah you may not be friends with a person but if your pub if your profile is public all it takes is that one person to share it for all of the organization to see it and now you ruin your name over something foolish or something dumb we don't we seem to forget that we can easily screenshot something and that be sent to um different end one individuals we think as minister venus said you know you block your leader you block your pastor whatever the case may be but someone can still screenshot that and send it to them and be like, oh look because they want to be the messy saint oh look was so and so done posted i just thought i let you know pastor or whatever the case may be we really don't realize like the, the social, like you said, social media itself 
isn't a bad thing, but we have to use wisdom while we're on it. And we have to weigh every decision that we make, but we don't want to wait. We don't want to weigh our decisions. We just want to do what we want to do because we want to have this outlet or whatever the case may be. And to answer the second part of the question, like why we gravitate to it so much, in, more, in a lot of cases, rather than being glory seekers, we've become attention seekers. So now we're not looking to like, because the the fact social media is a powerful tool. Yes. Um, different ones can receive the gospel through it. You can encourage different ones through it. Even the live we're doing right now is encouraging someone even now. But then you have those who are only doing something because they want to bring attention to themselves or they want to hear someone tell them amen. They want the virtual pat on the back. They want to feel as though they're doing something when in all actuality, you probably just share someone, somebody else's post that you happen to scroll um, along. But you want that attention. You want to feel good. And you're seeking validation in a place outside of God because it seems readily available. It's like it's in your, it's on your phone. It's on your your laptop, your computer, or whatever. If you have different Apple products, Apple Watch, you can get your notifications through your phone and different things like that. So it seems more readily accessible than sometimes waiting on God to do something or waiting on God to put position you or put you in a place or even grow you in whatever insecurities that you may have. Um, but social media is never the answer for that. But we don't see we we can't understand that because. We're quick to go to social media. Oh, I have this problem. We're quick to go to social media. Oh, I I don't feel, I don't see myself the way I should see. I'm going to go seek validation from strangers. If I you really, even with that, you really have to be careful with that because there are full-blown stalkers and different things that um different individuals that are found on social media. And you can you can go that route and mess yourself up. But yeah, it's like our motive behind it plays a huge role in what we do and how we use social media. The scripture says, um, all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And you find that all three can be found right on social media. Oh, yeah. Somebody can get caught scrolling and scrolling and, Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, you know, you can be scrolling and a lot of people will be scrolling for two, three, four hours. You could have been praying for half that time and mm. then eat the sandwich on the other half of that time. But yet uh, that <laughs> lust of your eyes and that lust of your flesh draws you to that social media. And then uh, even that pride of life. And one thing, uh, and Sister Carla was hitting right, in, or Minister Carla was hitting it right on the head, that uh, one thing that social media has done uh, today, specifically with, uh, uh, I would say, my generation, because... Um, I used to be Generation Y, and for some reason now I'm in. The, uh, they, they move the generations around. So in my generation, there it's it's this big push on building your brand, and mm -hmm. and notice the key in that building your brand. Yeah. And when you're a minister, when you're saved by God, you have to be building His brand, and that's right. where we get it caught up. We're trying to build our own brand. We're trying to build our own name instead of allowing God to make make our name great because His name is great. And so in social media, we take a lot of pictures of ourselves. And notice if anybody's seen my Facebook page, I ain't, I've never, I don't think I've ever put a, a picture of myself. So I'm that person that come on your social media page and comment on your stuff and you don't even see a picture of me because I don't want, I, you got to know yourself. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. want that pride to get in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
you know, I'm looking on the screen and I'm probably the lightest person on this screen. And uh, when I wasn't saved, you know, y'all heard about light skin uh, guys and how they, they, they thought of themselves. And so I, I fit right into that category. And mm -hmm. so you have to remember how, what God has saved you from. And I know what God has saved me from. And yeah. so I don't take a lot of pictures on social media. I don't even, and, and a lot of times you have to remember uh, what it is that triggers you. Some stuff you can't follow, some stuff you can't see. Be careful. They, they used to sing the song in Sunday school. And uh, I'm sure y'all all remember, be, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Y'all remember that song? Oh, you got to be careful what your ears hear, what your eyes see. You got to be careful with all that stuff. That's why television is so, is so, it, it, it's so, it's almost, old age because you can get on facebook you can get on instagram you can get on twitter you can get on your phone and look at everything you need to look at you can get on youtube because that counts as social media too mm -hmm. you can get on all of that stuff and do everything that you could dream of doing on in television and so it's it's very dangerous uh social media but as as you said just like a gun is dangerous it's all of of what hands you put it in and the scripture that comes to mind, I believe, is Galatians, the fifth chapter, which talks about the fruit of the spirit. And my favorite segment of that fruit is temperance. Mm -hmm. Being able to have self-control. And we, we skip over that a lot. Uh, but you got to have self-control. God gives us the ability when you receive the Holy Ghost that you can control what it is that you do on a day to day basis. And whether you admit it or not, the spirit of God will remind you you need to stop. You need yep. to go and do this. You will hear that voice from God. If you got, if you really got the Holy Ghost, you will hear from God. He'll let you know, turn the TV off, close your phone off. He, he'll let you know. And then it's up to you to make the decision whether you want to keep scrolling, whether you want to uh, do what God is telling you to do. But the Holy Ghost always comes to you and lets you know what you should and shouldn't be doing. Just like Sister King, Mr. King said, the Holy Ghost will wake you up in the morning between 3 and 5 a.m. That's a true statement because the Holy Ghost will wake you up and say it's time to pray. And the Holy and likewise, the Holy Ghost will tell you at 3 p.m. to get off your phone and to go pray as well because you've been scrolling for three hours. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Mm, that's good. That's good. You want to say something, uh, Sister King? Go ahead. Just one thing. And if you look at it, the introduction of social media caused more of the influence of the world on the church. Mm, that's right. It brought it brought it so much more into the church because of what we see. We um, mimic, you know, these socialites because they have 20,000 followers. They have all of these things. We're trying to mimic what they're doing. We're trying to live like them and they don't care. And what's, you know, what they see and how they do things and even okay, I'm a the duck lips. <laughs> Come on. Like seriously, now I'm the same thing. I don't put my picture up there and it was hard for me to even do this, but God is good. Um, but the whole little I remember I was like, what is a duck lip? Then I'm sitting up here and I saw a sister, you know, not gonna say her name from my church, and I thought she lost weight. I see her in person next Sunday. I'm like, how you gain that weight back? It was a filter. <laughs> What? I'm like, it's such a deception because I don't know who you are. Who are you? What? It's all this. I need to be perfect. No blemish. Or I'm showing, you know, I'm making doing a certain position or a pulse. You can see certain parts of my body or, you know, um, even the brothers with them life beaters trying to, you know, do, you know, work out. I'm working out. Got your arm out. Hey, come on now. Cover that up. 
You know what I mean? Certain things people don't need to see and you don't need to share. And you may think it's, well, no, it's not innocent. We know in the back of our minds, it's like, yeah, I wanted to put that little, you know, that most muscle shirt on because, you know, I want to see how many, you know, women will like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you marry, knowing you, you in a relationship or whatever, and even if you're single. And you're married. Promotes, and it causes such like, it's a gateway. It is a gateway and we have to be mindful of it. Again, I go on, I have friends who are pastors who have lived. I mean, I go and I'm visiting, oh, you know, I love some pastor shelter now, you know, I'll be going on there. You know, I mean, you know, I go and preaching. So all my deans are preachers, um, you know, or it's, um, Bible classes or this or that, but it's like, it's what you make it and how you may set that environment up to be. But if you're just letting anything in, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful and prayerful because the enemy, I remember it was Maddie B. Poole. She was my pastor's pastor. And she, um, the Lord was talking about, you know, one-eyed demon. And that was before TV came out. Yeah. That was before TV came out. And the Lord was letting them know that this thing was going to influence and it was going to have a great impact. We need to be mindful. We It's not old school to want to live holy. It's not old school to want to have a good name. I mean, even virginity mm. is looked upon as being negative. Like, oh, you still have your people. Oh, Lord, she's a plague, you know, or he's a plague. What in the world? That's purity. That means that you haven't been touched. That means you clean. You know what I mean? And it's like, why is it that people are afraid to be these ways? Because the world gets in and makes wrong, right, right, wrong. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. As you she she stepped on some clothes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say before I ask the final question, I did want to ask a question, uh, one question before that. Um, and then this goes back to what Sister Carla was saying earlier. She had made mention of your name speaking <clears throat> for itself, despite rumors and what have you. Um, so um I wanted to ask now, can you guys reconcile this for me or bring these two? Uh, statements together because this is often said and if somebody hears these two statements it can sound like it's contradicting uh, you know to a certain degree so the first one is you know we often hear but be careful because um you don't know who's watching based on you know how you conduct yourself and how you you know that sort of thing and then on the other hand you you have people to say don't worry about what people think about you so how do you, you know, hearing those two statements, how would you all reconcile that and bring those together so that there's an even balance? Because I understand both statements, but it would sound contradictory to say, hey, be careful because you don't know who's looking at you. So it sounds like you're acting out a certain kind of way. So people won't look at you a certain kind of way. Then on the other hand, it's like, you got to do what you got to do. Don't worry about who's looking at you. So uh, take it away, mm-hmm. panelists. <laughs> I'm gonna stop being the first person. So I'm like, <laughs> I would <laughs> for okay. So the first one is um be careful because you don't know who's looking at you type of thing. Yeah, I would say that mindset is basically saying you like to be to be yourself to like don't be out here just doing any old dumb thing because that's going to be that's going to look negatively on you. I'm reminded of like when. Like a few years ago, like me and my friends, like when we had the time, 
we were always at a different service. So we were at Infam or we were at Raymond, we were at different churches often to the point where different, um, eventually different pastors and first ladies came up to us and was like, um, we look to your youth group just, and it's not even like my church is like a group of friends that I had at the time um, as an example. And I'm thinking, no, don't make us the example of everything. No, you have no idea um, what's going on when like, you have no idea the behind the scenes type of thing, but you really have to be careful because you really don't want to like bring a reproach to your name that isn't true. Uh, Cause maybe you made a joke. Somebody overheard a portion of the joke and I didn't think you out here sinning or something. And then the other side of it, um, don't worry about people what people think. I don't think it, I don't I wouldn't say it's saying like don't have a care. It's pretty much saying don't live your life for people. Um, live your life who you are as God has intended you to be, as God has created you to be. Be obedient to God and not people. And it's not going to matter. And it shouldn't your walk shouldn't be based on what people think, but rather what God has asked of you, type of thing. So I think the two the both both phrases have their place but they also come from a different mindset. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Elder Glad, I think you have um, different audiences when you speak into those different phrases. Uh, be careful. Uh, you don't know who, who's looking at you. Um, I think that portray or, or is more geared towards, you know, somebody that's not saved and they take the wrong perception of how you live because you're okay uh, with being on social media and you cussing on Saturday and then you at the church praising on Sunday. So, you know, you don't know who's watching you uh, because you don't know who who's influenced by it. You don't know how far your influence necessarily goes. Um, even uh, thinking about how um, uh, Bishop Iona Locke passed um, yesterday or the day before and how she touched so many lives, but yet it's a lot of people that, whose lives she touched, she never met. She never mm -hmm. shook their hand. And I, I remember my wife and I was talking about it and she was so deeply hurt because she wanted to actually meet her, like in person, meet her, like shake her hand and have a conversation with her. But she never got that opportunity to do so. But yet her ministry went so far to touch so many lives, especially when you think about women preachers today and how that, that that's been a, a topic of discussion even more and more and yet um you know how how she came through how it was worse you know years and years ago for women to even be able to step up and have an opportunity to preach and for her to be like a trailblazer uh and and her ministry to stretch so far if she would have done or said or did certain things that would have been wrong it would her name would have been absolute mud and it wouldn't have meant anything but because she allowed god to use her in the time that god used her it touched so many lives. And so be careful who's looking at you and also tying in, don't worry about what people think. I think when you look at, and I'll use um, Jesus Christ again as an example, uh, Jesus Christ um, went about and preached repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it didn't matter that the Pharisees were speaking against them because the people that needed to hear the message were receiving the message. And so it's important to put it in perspective, um, making sure that um, your, your good is not evil spoken of. And mm -hmm. so you doing what God has called you to do. Yeah, you're going to have I, I don't I don't like to use that term haters, but you're going to have people that disagree with what it is you're doing, especially when you're trying to live holy. And mm -hmm. 
um uh, bishop herman always uh, his his uh definition of holiness was all that god is and we should always be striving to be all that god is in holiness and so we never get to that point in this life but we should always be striving for holiness. that's why holiness is right because we should always be striving for everything that god is and mm -hmm. as long as we have that mindset to strive for that we we don't have to be worried about what other people are thinking because we know that when people see us we're doing what god wants us to do because we're pleasing in his sight mm, that's good that's good mr king I, I think that it's about the first phrase when it is you know people seeing you um the concept of christ-like we are like christ that's what christian you know means is to be christ-like to be like christ so when we're talking about, you know, people seeing us, it's what we're advertising and what we're representing and what we're mirroring, that we need to be mindful of, that we are mirroring Christ, that we are reflecting his glory and his presence and his example. That's what, you know, because when we, and that is our assignment to be like him. So when we are fulfilling our assignment and when we are becoming, we're, um, reflecting who Christ is, that mission, that assignment, whatever God has, there is no dis um, um, disruption from whoever God has or whatever God has us to do for it to be fulfilled. So when we see whether we are looking or not, you know, and we're doing what we need to do and we're living the life of Christ, it will reflect, people will see, people will be influenced by the example that we portray. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when it's talking about, you know, not, you know, not worrying about what other people think, it's when you are doing the will of God. What comes to my mind is where Jesus, you know, talks about, you know, not being afraid of a person that destroys, you know, the body, but he that can destroy the body and soul in hell. That's what it's about. It's, it's not about what people think is you're walking this walk and being pleasing to God. So if your focus and your mindset is I'm being pleasing to God, people are going to talk against you. They're going to try to de um, derail you. They're going to try to discourage you. Don't focus and don't pay attention to those individuals or those types of influences, but you set your affections on things which are above and not of the earth. That's what the scripture talks about. So yes, you know, my life, because I want people to be saved, it has to emulate Christ. I have to be mindful of my action. And on the, uh, and on the, in the same vein, because I am reflecting Christ, because I am doing what he's causing, what he wants me to do, when the enemy comes in, to discourage me when the enemy comes in to try to derail me and try to um, distract me. I don't care what and whomever the enemy may use to come in. That's not what's important. Mm. What's important is what God says and what God sees and how he views me. And I must stay focused upon that. If I focus on that, then it will fulfill both statements in the same. So, yeah. Mm. Good, that's good. So, uh, last question for the night. Um, <clears throat> ask away, Sister Nina. <laughs> okay, I have the honor of asking the last question. I didn't, but I did want to say for this question, though, uh, not that we seek praise or not that we want, uh, or not that we're living for people to praise us for 
who we are or what we do or you know however that comes about whether you're, you're in a leadership position whether you uh are in the background doing something and want to be uh praised in front of the congregation or whatever the case may be um so this guy just wanted to put that context around the, the question because uh we want you all to kind of i don't want to say flatter yourself but we want you all to kind of speak to your character you know so yeah when people hear your name what is something you would hope to hear that that she's an example in woman that she has devoted her life unto Christ um that she is has has strived to be a reflection of who of who Jesus is that she is becoming what Jesus has called her to be that's my hope that's good amen amen elder gladney <clears throat> I guess when I think about my ministry or the ministry goal that I've always had, um, and I, I think I told my mentor this, but I always wanted to have a ministry that exceeded um, the teaching ministry of uh, Bishop uh, James A. One Johnson, who's mm -hmm. originally from Flint, Michigan. And so when I think about if my name was mentioned, I would want um I would want people to say that his life not only reflected God, but every word that came from his mouth was a representation of the spirit of God and the anointing of God. Wow, that's good, that's good. Mr. Carla. I believe for me, it would be that I would want it to be said that not only was I a reflection of, was I a reflection of Christ, but that no compromise was found in me. Mm. I think anything that I would want, I think it would be wrapped up and the fact that I reflected Christ and that there's no compromise found in me. At least that's what I would hope um, can be said. Amen. Amen. Now, that's good. That's good. Again, we want to thank you, you all, for uh, joining us tonight. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the insight that you shared. Um, for those that are viewing, we're blessed. For those that are viewing, um, I know they wish they could have been on the call as well, the, kind of interact with you all um it's definitely a blessing um and before we leave did, did you we wanted you all to say some final words if you want to say anything to those anything to the viewers that are watching before we close out on tonight um what i would like to say is you know no matter what's going on no matter the change we have to be tenacious. We have to keep fighting. There is a goal in view. We're not doing this for naught. Um, even, you know, um, podcasts and things like this isn't just to be done because we didn't have anything else better to do. The right. purpose of this is that the body of Christ might be strengthened, is that you might be encouraged that is, you know, because the days are dark. That's what's promised, but you are the light. Let your light so shine. Men will see your goodness and glorify the Father with you. Don't allow what changes and things and people can make you feel uncomfortable. Don't let it dictate what your actions 
and your worship and your relationship with God will be. That's your relationship with God is as husband and wife. That's personal. Nobody else gets to dictate your relationship with God. So be encouraged. Hold on. And this has been something that's been encouraging my heart. We already know how the story is going to end. That's it. We already know. It's promised. No matter what you go through, no matter what temptations. And I praise God for my pastor. He had recently spoken about, you know, temptations. Like, look, there is a way of an escape. You don't have to be like everybody else. It's not cute. God is not saying, oh, you know, you're cute because you look like the world. No, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. It is not, you know, God is not pleased. So when you are rendering your sacrifice, let it be God approved first. Don't do it because everybody else is speaking in tongue and waving their hands because you sound right. If he doesn't approve of the sacrifice, it is no good. So I'm telling you, build your relationship. Get to know this God. God is, he is mind blowing. Like there are times where I'm like, God, you're so smart. But we know that. When it, when the light is like, but you are really smart or Lord, you love me. Like you really do get to know your God because the more you put on a Christ, the less you're going to care about the world influences and what people have to say about what God is doing in your life. Even praise. I don't look, this is an assignment. So we don't, you know, I'm a pray not, you know, not. I want to be in order, but if I have to pray afterwards, this is (laughs) a sign that the enemy is not happy and everybody wants to give you a high five and all of this. No, pray for me Mm. because I have to get myself prepared for the attack. The enemy, I swung. We all swung. We are all in a group on the battlefield warring as we're speaking. Now, you think that the enemy is not going to retaliate? We Mm. have to be on guard. We have to be on post. It's wartime. I mean, and I'm going to talk about it because that's what it is. It's wartime. Call those spirits out. Rebuke those spirits. Speak life. Speak peace. Release angels on assignment. I'm telling you, it's time to war. I mean, look, God has been doing some things. And it's not, Lord, you gave me a car. Lord, you did this. It's, I'm showing you his plan. Now I need you to attack and I'm setting you in a place strategically to get you to a point where you can overcome this enemy. I gave you the tools. You will not be defeated. You will not lose. If you try, if you fight, you will always win. So I'm just telling you, saints of God, brothers and sisters, we are almost done. I am looking for that day. Mm. I'm like, when are you? Are you coming today? Okay, you know, I'm going to do what I got to do. But hey, have me on the shoulder. You know, let me know what Jesus is like. It's just, I'm excited because Jesus is coming back and everything, you know, we've heard it. We've heard our pastors and our grandparents and whoever talking about the coming of Christ. We're the generation of the coming of the Lord. I'm, so I'm excited. Look, man. Mm. Woo, hallelujah. Okay. So anyway, because I'm going to pray them and I'm trying to be in order. Thank you, Jesus. Carla. Um. Leave you all with anything. I would say, let your salvation be precious Ooh. to you. Um, it seems like I don't want to keep saying my generation. I don't want to feel like I'm attacking my generation, but uh, the a desire for marriage is precious to us. For those mm-hmm. of us that aren't married, a desire for for to have the business or to be known, all these different things are precious to us. We strive for them, but our salvation needs to be that much the more 
precious to us. And if we hold tight to our salvation, we'll find ourselves having a good name. We'll find ourselves having Ooh. a good reputation. We'll find ourselves in a place where God can yeah. bless us with these desires that we have. Because first and foremost, we sought first the kingdom. We were obedient to him. We walked the life and we, we were the witness that he desired us to be. So first and foremost, if I could say anything to wrap it all up in that one phrase, let your salvation be and remain precious to you. Mm. That's mm -hmm. good. I'm glad he us out here, sir. Talk to us. <clears throat> I don't want to be too long, but there's a phrase that they say, um, you so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. Mm. And um I really don't like that phrase. <laughs> I really don't. Uh the scripture says, No man that wareth entangleth himself um with the affairs of this of this life. Mm. And so Come we can't. On we cannot um get to a point where and it's just not this generation it's generations before us that are all doing the same thing we can't get so entangled with trying to be so important in this life that we miss the the life that's coming and so when we think about um the seven orders of the first resurrection and how we're going to be caught up to meet the lord in the air we're Come part on. of that third uh, uh order of the first resurrection when i think about that how we're 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 i ain't gonna say above the rest but god is gonna take us from this earth to be with him to forever be with him uh no matter what the situation and then after the resurrection then we're gonna come back with him to judge those that are left and so think about think about what it is that god is preparing us for that's why we have to be so we have to be heavily minded I, I, because the more heavenly minded you are, the more good you're going to do for your brother and your and your sister to help them to make it. And I think it was in a phrase and I might butcher it, but they said, uh, uh, I think Bishop Paddock said heaven is cheap at any cost. That's and it. so no matter right. what it is, what it is that you have to pay uh, on this earth, whether you got to give up that friendship, whether you got to give up that marriage that you so desire, whether you got to give up that business that you want to start. Uh, if God has not ordained it, it ain't gonna be worth it anyway. So yeah. whatever right. it is, you have That's to right. give up in this life so that you can make it uh, in in the catching away of the church. Please give it up. That's my encouragement to the saints and to those that are not saved. Get saved, repentance, faith towards God. Doctor, I mean, get get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit of God gives the utterance. And after that, that's the beginning. After that, live this life of holiness. Get into that's right. and not they, they always say find a Bible-based church. Every church uses a Bible. So you can't say a Bible-based <laughs> church. You need to get in an apostolic Holy Ghost field church that's teaching yeah. the word of God. It, it Even if it's a apostolic on there, you still got to try the spirit the spirits by the spirit. Mm. That's right. The Lord. You still have to try the spirits by the spirit. And so get in a place where you can be taught the word of God, uh, rightly divided so that you can make it to heaven because it's cheap at any cost. Excellent. 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 Uh, like I said, we thank you all for coming on. Uh, this was great. This was insightful. Not only did it feel like a conversation, but I'm definitely sure that you all, not only to us, but to those that are listening, I'm sure you all minister to them and we all can get off this call and consider and meditate on all that we've heard on tonight. 
So with that being said, those that are viewing, thank you for tuning in. We pray something was said that you can take on your way, that you can meditate on, that you can take to the Lord in prayer. And uh, until then, we'll see you all next time. Uh, you all have a good night and God bless. Good night, everyone. Good night.